Welcome to another episode of San Diego Sessions. We're here in studio with vibraphonist and pianist Anthony Smith. San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Okay, welcome to show number six. I'm your host, Ian Tordella. And I'm uh, Ed Kornhauser. And we're here in studio with special guest... Anthony Smith. Anthony, thanks for joining us. And Anthony has a new book that we're going to get into in a minute called Masters of the Vibes. Uh, but first, I have some pressing questions for Ed. Please, please press away. This is our segment called This or That. So, this versus that. I don't even know what this segment is called. First up, Aaron Parks or Aaron Goldberg? Aaron Parks. Aaron Parks. Okay. Definitely Aaron Parks. All right. Okay, next one, saxophonist, Jerry Mulligan, or Jerry Allen, famous late pianist. Right. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah. <laughs> what about Jerry Seinfeld? Uh, what about Jerry Lee Lewis or Jerry Lewis? Uh, no. Um, oh, that's tough. I want both. I go with Jerry Allen. Jerry Allen, all right. I saw her once, and it made a big impression on me. She was, she was really cool. And the last last question, since this is a vibraphone episode, Milt Hinton, the judge, or Milt Jackson, a.k.a. Bags. Right. Oh, you put me in a tough spot because I'm sitting across from a vibraphone player. <laughs> and I love, I love Milt Jackson. I was actually just randomly listening to that record he did with uh, Ray Charles the other day, like where Ray is insane, called soul brothers or something or so i'm messing that up it's something like that i do some yeah. cool tunes on it you got to go with milt jackson on that one i i feel like i have to it's not even a, a choice i'm going to go with milt jackson all right milt jackson it, it is it has nothing to do with the fact that anthony's so tall <laughs> <laughs> so our guest today as i said is anthony smith and he has just moved back and rejoined the san diego scene after a few years in new york city or yep Brooklyn, to be exact. That's right. So your book literally just came out, and we're we're waiting for the big San Diego release party. But tell our listeners a little bit what's behind the the project here. So it's been a book I've been working on for a couple of years, and I got the idea to start pursuing it when I got to New York, and I made the decision to focus on the vibraphone after many many years of playing every possible piano gig, keyboard gig under the sun. And I always loved the vibes and played them whenever I got the chance, but it was always kind of my, my B instrument. And when I got to New York, I decided to put it on the front burner and get out and kind of try to hang with all the, the heavy vibraphonists that I had access to all of a sudden. Guys like Steve Nelson, Joe Locke, Christos Rafaelides, um, many others, Mike Manieri. Um, there's probably 15 to 20 world-class 
vibes players in the greater New York area and on spread out on the East Coast uh, that are full-time players. So I went out and, and kind of rubbed elbows with some of those cats, got to know them, um, you know, sat in with some of them, hung out, you know, outside of the gig. And from there, uh, that's where the seeds were planted to do this book because um, I've always been kind of uh, inclined to, to like to write and I had published a book previously and I thought, what if I did a book of conversations featuring the world's great living vibraphonists? And I broached the subject with a few of them and they were all enthusiastic about doing it and participating. So that's how it started. How did you hook up with these guys originally? Just going to their their gigs and talking to them about it? or uh, Yes, just showing up at their gigs or hitting them up on Facebook or social media or friends of friends, giving them a phone call. Uh, there's also a cool thing that happens every year called the uh, World Vibes Congress that takes place at Malatech in uh, Asbury Park, New Jersey. And Malatech, incidentally, is a company that I represent. I play an Omega vibraphone, hmm. which is made by Malatech. And um, the book is published by, by Mostly Marimba, which is a subsidiary, the literary uh, component of Malatech. And the whole company is owned by Lee Stevens, Lee Howard Stevens, who's... Uh, a very well-respected, you know, virtuoso of the marimba around the world. And so in addition to being a, a concert marimba, a marimbist, Lee is also the owner of this company and partnered with me to, to uh, work on the book and publish it. Oh, that's terrific. Very cool. Um, so the book is mostly interviews. Are there also some, for lack of a better word, essay or op-ed writing from you in, in there as well? Yes, there is actually uh, Bobby Hutcherson, who obviously is one of the major, you know, figures of the instrument in the instrument's brief history, which is only 100 years, really. Bobby Hutcherson um, certainly is on the mountaintop, along with Milt Jackson, Gary Burton, and a couple of other people. And Bobby, unfortunately, wasn't um, able to participate in doing a full interview with me. He wasn't in great health the last couple of years before he passed. So uh, I was able to speak with him briefly on the phone but it was clear from our conversation that he wasn't going to be able to, to do an interview. So instead of the interview, I, I, I wrote an, an essay, a very heartfelt essay, uh, a tribute to, to him and his music and his legacy based on my personal experiences. And one cool thing that happened was um, I was in close contact with Joe Locke. For anyone who isn't familiar with Joe, Joe Locke is one of the great uh, jazz vibraphonists of his generation. And um, he's also a acolyte or a disciple of Bobby Hutcherson like myself. So we have a lot of common musical ground. And I was able to share my essay about Bobby with Joe, and Joe gave me some insights and some thoughts that helped me to shape that that piece. That's really cool. I like how you, you start off the book. Before any of the, of the interviews, there's that tribute to Bobby, which is really, really quite cool. It catches the, catches the eye when you first flip it open. The first thing that you get to is... Bobby Hutcherson. Sure. Yeah. Bobby is someone who I is very dear to my heart and his music. And I grew up in the Bay area where Bobby lived in half moon Bay and he would perform frequently when I was a teenager, I got to hear him play quite a bit hmm. and sitting three feet away from, from Bobby and his vibraphone had a pretty profound impact on me musically. Well, for our listeners, this is a, this is a full size coffee table book with an amazing layout and it has over two dozen interviews in here, but from older players, we've got Gary Burton and Terry Gibbs. And then from the newer school, you, you interviewed Warren Wolf, and we were just talking about Joe Locke. And I love Joe Locke because he's a master and just his his four mallet 
comping and just this whole four mallet soloing approach and rhythmically he's mm-hmm. a, completely an amazing player so yeah yeah um, definitely, i'm looking forward definitely. to reading some of those interviews thank you and you know once i had a few of the the key players if you will you know joe Locke, gary burton mike manieri i knew that i had the you know i had enough material to keep trudging trudging forward and 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 uh, basically assemble a book of you know approximately 30 different artists how long did it take you to compile the whole thing I started working on it shortly after I moved to New York in early 2014, uh, starting with a few interviews, and I did all the transcribing myself for oh, wow. the whole book. I transcribed all the interviews af- after I'd had the conversations. In some cases, I conducted the conversations in New York City. In other cases, as with Gary Burton, I flew down to to his home in Florida and spent an afternoon with him. Wow. I was going to ask if you did them all in person or if you did some over the phone or the internet or... The majority of them I did in person, and I I found that I got a really great result when I was able to sit, you know, and have FaceTime with someone and spend spend some time in their presence. I got uh, more candid answers and were able to delve into different subjects than maybe we would have had it just been a phone interview. Mm. And another great example of that was Stefan Harris, who lives in Newark, New Jersey. Mm. And we sat in his living room for three hours and had just an amazing conversation and, and I was so impressed with 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 him intellectually and just uh, artistically, and I think that you know you, you can see the result from the the interview. Most of the conversations they end up being more of a, an exchange of ideas, and it's really more of two two artists sitting down and and kind of having a tete a tete as opposed to a formal interview mm. with with rote questions and then sort of prepackaged answers. Wow. So that's one thing I'm proud about with the book. So working with the long transcriptions and all these interviews, you know, about 30 interviews, did you have editing assistance from the publisher or how did, how did you go about kind of paring it um, down? Fortunately, I have somewhat of a literary background being the product of two English teachers. And so English (laughs) was always, and grammar were always a strong suit for me and writing style. So I did a lot of the heavy lifting initially with the editing myself. And then I had uh, two more layers one of which was my parents, <laughs> who uh, went through the entire manuscript for errors and uh, continuity issues. And then I submitted that to the publisher, and they had an editorial assistant who then went through with a fine-tooth comb and further edited it. Great. Well, again, the book is called Masters of the Vibes, and you can find out more at anthonysmithcreations.com. And the book is also available on mostlymarimba.com which is Mallet Tech. Uh, but we're going to get into some music. We're going to lead it off with one of Anthony's tunes. This is called Propulsion from Play It Forward. Thank you. 
Jonathan Smith. That was Propulsion off his last record, Play It Forward. Who was um, who was playing on that with you? Yeah, the saxophonist is Kenny Pexton. It's it's all New York guys, younger, youngish New York players who who are well respected, but maybe don't have the the big the big name marquee name yet. Mm. Kenny Pexton's on saxophone. Sebrin Van Munster on guitar. Sebrin has since moved back to the Netherlands. Petros Klampanis on bass, really wonderful Greek uh, bassist and composer. And Mark Ferber on drums. Mark Ferber, one of my old buddies from the Southern California scene. We used to play together with Gilbert Castellanos many moons ago Mm -hmm. in Gilbert's first organ quartet, which was with Gilbert, myself on vibes, Mark on drums, and Joe Bag on organ. Wow. So... It's cool that you guys are both like you've reconnected out on the other coast. Yeah, Mark has done really well in New York. You know, Mm -hmm. he plays with a lot of great musicians and travels to Europe. And I was fortunate to get him and all those other guys to uh, do the session with me. And then we did some gigs and it was a great, great experience. I decided to go in a different direction with that record and write all original material as Mm -hmm. opposed to doing a mixture of originals and covers. So all the tunes on both volumes are originals. Where did you uh, where did you record at? We recorded at a cool studio in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, called The Bunker. Cool. With really great engineers and just a good experience all, all in all, yeah. Was it one recording session for all the music, or did you kind of... Believe it or not, I recorded both of those CDs in one day. Oh, my God. And wow. we had played through pretty much all of the material on gigs or rehearsals, but still, to get 13 or 14 tunes, usable takes in one session was, was pretty amazing. And I remember we, we took a break after we had recorded seven or eight tunes and we were having a lunch break. And I asked the guys, I said, you guys feeling good? And everybody said, no, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So we, wow. we powered through it. That's a tight band when they can do that. Just get in and rock all these hard tunes and, and just like, all right, let's do it. The energy's good. Keep it going. Boy, mm-hmm. the last couple takes must've been just, I say the word loose, but I mean that in a good way, like just loose and just, you know, crushing it. Yeah, I mean, I was going more for spontaneity and going for a vibe rather than trying to get, you know, like technical perfection. It sounds great. It sounds like you got both. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, eight tunes before lunch. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I wish I could do that even out of the studio. (laughs) Um, So is the session for this album an opportunity for you to get out there and do a whole record on the vibes or, or what was the motivation behind the project? Well, since you asked that, I actually had the piano tuned and it was a great piano, and I had it sitting there ready to go, and I was going to jump back and forth between vibes and piano, but then after two or three tunes uh, with the vibes and the guitar, I realized that we had a sound, and something cool was happening, and you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, so I didn't touch the piano the whole day. Oh, wow. I just stayed on the vibraphone, and I never played a note on the piano. Cool. I, I've always liked the sound of vibes and guitar, actually, mm-hmm. together. They, they're two chordal instruments, they're two comping instruments, but they, they, they blend well in a way that piano and guitar they blend in a different way but i I like the way the vibes and guitar fit together right it leaves a little more space in the sonic spectrum somehow when you have guitar and and vibraphone yeah maybe it's the timbre but it's yeah Mm -hmm. you're right um and also sebrin is such a great young player that you know i didn't have to worry about you know when i was soloing whether the chords were going to be there or not or whether he was going to be be able to just to hang with what i was doing or the other guys so yeah well, it's yeah, it's a wonderful sounding record, and again, you can pick that up at anthonysmithcreations.com. But, or iTunes. <laughs> or iTunes. Uh, 
but it, it really is a fabulous collection of tunes. We're going to check out another tune from the record, and that'll take us up into the break. This is Spring Is Not Here. But <laughs> Tell us a little bit about this one. That's actually funny. Um, when, I, when I moved in 2014 to New York with my wife and two young boys, we, we were literally on the beach here in Ocean Beach the day before we moved. And then when we left, we landed in the, the worst winter in New York City oh, no. in 75 years. Oh, no. They were calling it the polar vortex the beginning of 2014. It was, it was so brutal. And I was definitely asking myself, what am I doing here? Why did I choose this? And then, you know, you expect come, come, you know, March, you expect the weather to start getting warmer. And it was still bitter cold, freezing, snowing. And so I thought of this title, okay, spring isn't here for, and I thought I was so proud of myself. I thought I was so clever coming up with this hip title for the tune. And then I realized that Pat Metheny wrote a tune called Spring Ain't Here like 30 years ago. So I wasn't as hip as I thought I was. But there's, there's nothing committed. new under the sun. It's, it's <laughs> what my mom always told me. <laughs> This is San Diego Sessions, your inside perspective on the SD jazz scene. This is Mandy Joe, your favorite San Diego Sessions jazz forecaster, and here is the jazz forecast for September 18th through the 24th. Monday, September 18th, the guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 to midnight. No cover, and it's 21 and up. Tuesday, September 19th, my bestie, the Steph Johnson Band, opens for Les Nubians at the Belly Up Tavern in Solana Beach at 8 p.m. It's 21 and up. Trio Gajo plays Gypsy Jazz at 7 Grand at 9 p.m. There's no cover and it's 21 and older. Wednesday, September 20th, trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66, a mainstay in San Diego for decades. 
Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music is from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. You can drop by early to see the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from all around the city. It's no cover, and all ages are welcome. Thursday, September 21st, pianist and math head Rob Schneiderman is in from New York City to share the gospel of sound and numbers at Dizzy's. Joined by musical comrades Peter Sprague on guitar, Trip Sprague on sax and flute, and Mac Layton on bass, Duncan Moore is joining them on drums. $20 cover and all ages are welcome. Friday, September 22nd is a big night of jazz for San Diego. Pianist Michael Peed and bassist Rob Thorson play duo in the lobby of the U.S. Grant Hotel from 5.15 to 7.45 p.m. There's no cover. Vocalist Lorraine Castellanos plays with New York-based pianist Tony Tixer and bassist Dean Hewlett at the Handlery Hotel from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. No cover and all ages are welcome, and your parking is even validated. Woohoo! The Handlery Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. Lex and the Jewels plays at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring Julian Cantelm on drums, Louis Valenzuela on guitar, and vocalist Lexi Polito. No cover and all ages are welcome. Vocalist Denine Wilburn joins pianist Kamau Kenyatta at Beret Southern Bistro from 7 to 10 p.m. Pianist Mikan Zlakovich brings his trio to Northern Spirits in San Marcos at 7.30 p.m. Over at Villa Musica, Hear an evening of jazz exotica with Orchid Mantis, featuring original music with a traditional jazz rhythm section, along with the string quartet and small choir. Music starts at 7.30 p.m. Bassist Mackenzie Layton and his quintet plays the music of Charlie Mingus at Dizzy's, featuring Robert Dove on saxophone, Jordan Morita on trombone, Ed Kornhauser on piano, and Charlie Weller on drums. It's $15 and all ages are welcome. Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate from 8 to 11 p.m. in the lobby bar of the Westgate Hotel. No cover. The Antar Martin Quartet plays downtown at the U.S. Grant Hotel in the Grant Grill from 8 p.m. to midnight. There's no cover and all ages are welcome. The Ed Kornhauser Organ Trio plays some late night jams at 7 Grand from 10.30 to 1.30 a.m. featuring guitarist Michael Borowski and drummer Charlie Weller. No cover and ages 21 and older. Saturday, September 23rd, one of your favorite hosts in the whole world, Ian Tordella, plays clarinet and saxophone with John Garner and Joe Amato on guitars at Kettner Exchange from 1 to 3 p.m. Pianist Melanie Grinnell and bassist Rob Thorson play duo in the lobby of the U.S. Grant Hotel from 5.15 to 7.45 p.m. No cover and open to the public. My friend, singer Whitney Shea, brings her quartet to La Valencia Hotel in La Jolla from 6 to 10 p.m. No cover and lots of dancing. Saxophonist David Borgo leads a quartet at Northern Spirits Restaurant in San Marcos at 7.30 p.m. Sunday, September 24th. It's very exciting. It's my new project, The Mandy Joe Project, In Case You Missed It Show, at Public Square Coffeehouse in La Mesa. Featuring Abe Majors on drums, Ricky Giordano on guitar, Kevin Cooper on bass, and me on the roads and vocals. It's at 7 p.m. and $10 cover. All ages are welcome. Organist Tim Felton and crew host the monthly funk jam at Panama 66 in Balboa Park from 6 to 7.50 p.m. Check out Sundays in the Park on Facebook to see a song list and sign up. New York City jazz guitarist Gene Bertoncini is at Dizzy's playing solo at 7 p.m. $15 cover and all ages are welcome. 
Guitarist and vocalist Seth Johnson and bassist Rob Thorson play at the Turf Supper Club from 8 to 11 p.m. There's no cover, but you have to be 21 and older. I'm Mandy Joe, and you're listening to the San Diego Sessions Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. All right, we're back with Anthony Smith, and it's time for a little segment that we call the San Diego 7. These are seven rapid-fire questions. Answer them from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart. (laughs) Number one, what's the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? Um, Practicing my serve on the tennis court. Okay, just getting right to it, right? Uh, Two, uh, this is a little bit posing for me. Do you prefer the Burton, Musser, or Stevens grip? Burton grip. Burton grip. Cool. I was researching those last night. And I, yeah. I still don't totally understand. That's my but, go-to grip. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wait, is that named for Gary Burton? Yeah. Yes. It he, is. Okay. Yeah, he developed yeah. it. Ah. Yeah. I had never heard of the Musser or Stevens grip. I knew the Burton grip. Anyway. Stevens um, grip, incidentally, is based on Lee Stevens. It's created by Lee Howard Stevens, who hmm. is the publisher of my book and my, my oh, associate wow. at Malatech. Oh, wow. Very cool. Okay, sweet. Huh. Uh, um, what's an album you can listen to over and over again without tiring of it? Uh, Bill Evans' first trio record, which where he was still kind of sounded like Bud Powell, but he's starting to find his own thing. Was that called Explorations? Or what's the name of that one? You tell me. I don't know. You get, but I've, I've, this podcast has made me go and listen to so many things. I'm like, okay, or re-listen. If, if I hadn't listened to it already, I don't know the name of that record. I should check it out. Yeah, some of Bill's most inventive, you know, early playing. I love that record. Hmm. Yeah. I just I know, can't think of the name of it. I, I love, he does some soloing on uh, the Oliver Nelson Blues in the Abstract Tooth, and he's doing some like lock, locked hand, like yeah. bluesy stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. for like two choruses, it's like, that does not sound like Bill Evans. Mm-hmm. And then... After that, he plays some stuff like, oh, there he is. That's right, him. But right. like, he starts off with like locked mm-hmm. hand, octave style. Yep. Another one really quick I'd like to throw in is Fred Hirsch's first trio record, which is called Horizons. Hmm. And it was on Concord. A lot of people don't know yeah. it. It's before he kind of became famous. But it's amazing. I love that record. Fred sounds great on That's there. a great one, yeah. Just give me a second while I just got a pencil here and just write these down. His version of Surrey with the Fringe on Top is so great. And um, it's so different than the McCoy, the famous McCoy version of that song. But... That would be a great exercise for anyone that's into jazz piano. So listen to both of those. A, B, those two versions of Surrey with the Fringe on Top. Huh. I've got an hour after this before my thing. I should do that. <laughs> uh, uh, number four. Uh, do you think Ronick will have another shot at a Wimbledon championship? Yes, I do. But ask me if I think he'll win it. Mm, do you think he'll Do you think? Do you <laughs> do you think, think he'll, he'll win another Wimbledon championship? Or he didn't win. But. He's never won it. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on it. Okay. I watched that live. I watched that when I was in Japan. Me and my brother were watching it live last year. And there's such sportsmanship between those two. That was really cool when, when, when Andy did win. It was, he was really cool about like giving praise to Ronick. It was impressive to see. And yeah. that was a killer match, too. Yeah. The ideal height for a tennis player on the ATP is about six foot two or three. Hmm. Unfortunately, Ryanich is about six five or six, so he's a little bit above the optimum height. Hmm. Um, why does the lizard stay in the cage? Well, the irony of the title is that if you read the book, the truth is the lizard did not always stay in the cage. So without delving into too many 
details, <laughs> I, I would I would direct you to the book itself. Yes, uh, uh, many you... many an entertaining anecdote, and as I always tell people, uh, when they express an interest in the lizard stays in the cage, I, um, I apologize in advance for any any uh, offensive behavior. Uh, <laughs> By the author, he's uh, detailed in the in the seven hundred and twenty pages of this book. By, by the author or any other musicians that might still be uh, living around the greater San Diego area. That's right. Yeah. So this is Anthony's first book, "The Lizard Stays in the Cage." Yeah, and uh, right. <laughs> I don't know what's next. Um, what's a truly bizarre gig that you've played? Well, you know that that little house, that little shack out at the end of the pier in Ocean beach oh yeah the cafe thing or, yeah, yeah i don't know if it's still it's like a, halfway out I don't there know if it's still a bait house but at one point it was actually primarily a place where you'd go to buy bait if you're gonna fish mm. and i was had this band in college called fried bananas with adrian ahern who was uh-huh. still around town playing gigs a lot and he booked us a gig out there and we we would back then i was pretty green to the business and i wouldn't really ask questions when when you know when someone calls you for a gig now, you, you have like a list of questions that you want answered before you say yes. <laughs> Back then, I just would say yes. Yeah, I did the and, same thing. And then yeah. and then you get the old here's the deal, and you always know bad things are going to happen when you get the okay. Well, guys, here's the deal. So in, anyway, to make a long story short, we ended up playing for basically for bait, you know. But I'm not really a fisherman, so it didn't really do me much good. So we're playing out in front of the bait house out there at the end of the pier for like a four hour gig for like you know maybe like ten bucks and and you know bait. Basically, so I hate to say it. I think you were baited. I think you're right. Oh. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Now, for our listeners who aren't in San Diego, also that must be a hell of a load in because the the Ocean Beach <laughs> Pier, it's the longest pier on the West Coast. It's over a mile long if you go all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and it's all wood planks, like getting out there. I think. Oh man! So you're rolling, you're rolling your dolly out there. So yeah, not not my not my most uh, shining moment. Um, All right, what's up next, Ed? Number seven, our old standby. Bacon? Yes. Good. I just had some last night. Just made BLTs for the family last night. All right. It was was delicious. I had some like an hour ago. It was great. (laughs) I think we're, we're, uh, we're five for six for bacon, if you're keeping score at home. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, Anthony, now that you're uh, back back in town, back in the mix in San Diego, um, I wanted to mention you're playing, for North County people, you're playing at Northern Spirits in San Marcos on the 28th with a quartet. Um, and then you'll also be featured at the Westgate on Allison Adams, Tucker, Allison Adams Tucker's gig on October 14th, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in town, please get out and check out some vibes. Um, but I wanted to talk about some things you have uh, coming up, some new projects. So you're working on a, a album of of cover tunes, right? Yeah, um, I've always loved the '80s, and I used to feel really self conscious about admitting it and kind of be apologetic about it. And now I just unabashedly tell people that I love the '80s music and it's close to me, and and I grew up with those tunes. And I always wanted to do a project just exclusively of sort of reimagining '80s music in a more of a jazz, modern jazz context with different rhythms and reharmonized. I've always really loved being a piano player, first and foremost. I've always really loved the process of reharmonizing tunes. Yeah, me and, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's always fun to do. And I found a lot of those tunes are so well crafted that I could go back and reharmonize them and and uh, do it in a way that where the tune still has integrity. 
you know, cause that's important. You know, if you're going to go back and turn these tunes upside down, you want people to still be able to recognize the song. So, so my, my rule is basically I would, I would never mess with the melody or obviously not the lyrics, but also not the melody. I'll, I'll mess with everything else, but I, but I really don't, don't mess with the melody at all. Who did you get to, uh, work with you on this record? So, um, I actually worked with a piano player, a friend of mine, Carlos Cuevas, a great uh, piano player in New York. And we co-produced and I wrote all the arrangements and kind of brought everybody to, together. And we did two sessions with two different bands hmm. and uh, had piano on both sessions. And I also played Malacat in addition to uh, acoustic vibraphone. For, uh, forgive me, Malacat. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mallet Cat is is an electric vibraphone. Basically, it's um you play pads. Oh, okay, and, um, cool. I bought one of those because due to due to how difficult it was to schlep a vibraphone around New York City. Yeah. Um. So, I bought a Mallet Cat that I can throw into a, a synth bag and just throw over my shoulder for certain gigs, and then I used it in the studio to to get other sounds. You know, you, you say it plays pads. I mean, can you play like a regular vibraphone as well? You, oh, uh, pads meaning you you hit pads. Oh, that trigger oh. the sounds. I understand. So oh, wow. it's lined up yeah, like a vibraphone, but it's little little pads, and you hit the pads, and then that triggers the sounds. And it's and it's the tone is a reasonable approximation. Um, of anyone who's serious about the vibes would probably not want to use it for specifically for the vibraphone sound, but but it has a lot of other cool sounds. You know, pretty good road sounds and different different types of stuff on there. So. It's kind of like a piano versus keyboard. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing about Mallet Cat is. And you can do this on regular vibes too if you install pickups, but you can run effects pedals and everything. Um, right. So did, yeah. you, did you do yeah. some of that on this record? Or I did a little bit of that. There's another friend of mine who's also in this book. His name's Tyler Blanton, who's an amazing uh, vibraphonist and mallet cat player. And he's got a, a killer band called the Horny Electric Band that's playing around New York with a really smoking horn section. And he's doing a lot of cool stuff with the mallet cat and synths and stuff. But the name of the, the 80s band is called, the 80s tribute band is called Retrosonic. And the album's going to be called Songs from a Lighter Planet. And um, I, I have this tendency to always be overly ambitious with my recording projects. So it's going to end up being two volumes. Oh, wow. So volume one and Got two. Double and, album. And, yeah. you know, it's a lot of guilty pleasures as far as the artists are concerned that I'm covering. Like there's a George Michael tune on which, there oh, which one everything she wants ah uh, nice and you know i've got u2 i've got in excess big country aha so you know pretty much i can imagine that did you do take on me or yeah that that lick that synth uh-huh. lick could work really well on vibes or malacat yeah well i think you'll find it interesting how i did that one okay but um but That's i'm excited so- you know and it's becoming a bi-coastal project because now that i'm back here in san diego permanently I'm, I haven't mixed and finished the album yet, so I'm going to be using, hopefully, some some musicians and engineers here um, in Southern California to help me finish, even though I recorded all the tracks in, in New York City. Great. Is this going to be out in uh, 2017, or are we planning on 2018? I think release? that would be that would be pretty ambitious to try to get it out this year. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say t- early early next year it'll be out. Yeah. We'll keep an eye out for it. That sounds that's that sounds great. I'm also a fan of the of the 80s music. I remember I was playing solo piano at a French place a couple of weeks ago, and I just started doing pop covers, the second set, older ones, and and I just started hearing tables singing along. <laughs> I just was, it was it was like okay, because I'm instrumental. There's no singing. It's just it just was it was right. kind of cool. Yeah, it was it was it made the made the hours go by. It was actually kind of fun. Nice. 
Great. Well, we'd love to have you back in a couple months when this when this Retrosonic project comes out. Um, and again, we want to thank you so much for coming on and, and showing us your new book, Masters of the Vibes. Uh, but we're going to take it out with another song. This is Welcome to Brooklyn. And again, if you want to find out more, you can visit anthonysmithcreations.com. And please get out and see some live shows, especially the Anthony Smith Quartet at Northern Spirits in San Marcos on September 28th. And thank um, you so much for being in the studio today. My pleasure. Good to see you guys. Yeah, It's welcome, good to be back. Welcome home. Appreciate it. Listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artists. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. <laughs>